does take a true BPA perspective and the Chop Robinson for whether it's medical or interview reasons or whatever it may be, he falls to that 38th pick overall. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for, what is today, Tuesday, uh, February the 28th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined once again here live in Indianapolis, the 2024 NFL Combine by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? I'm good. Has the Combine already gotten to you that in, in in such a way that you do still think it is tuesday it's, did i say tuesday you what, did what is today you wednesday it is wednesday see here's today. the thing today we, we come i know i'm here for the, the week and the day of the week that we're on it just like it becomes a mind meld i don't know what day it is it's wednesday okay so wednesday february 28th i'm checking my computer that's what it is that is today that's what today's show is is the date uh that's the date of today's show is for that yep Okay. Good. Glad we have that part settled. Uh, we are talking today about a couple of things. We had our first interactions with some of the prospects here at the Combine, starting with, I, it's really unfair to say the, the worst goes first because it has nothing to do with their ability on the field or their importance on the field. But in terms of interest to most fans, I think it's fair to say that defensive linemen, edge defenders, and linebackers are much lower on the totem pole than, say, cornerbacks or tight ends, which both are going to be going tomorrow at the podium. Uh, obviously quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, running backs, and then offensive linemen, not as sexy, but everybody knows you got to have a good offensive line and they are players that are stacked in the first round. And so they will bring a lot of interest. So that's not to undermine the, the content of today's show. We did speak with and hear from a number of very talented highly impactful players um, today that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we heard from them and, and kind of just introduce folks to some of those big names in those categories. And we're also going to be going into the NFLPA report cards that came out today um, regarding each team in the NFL graded on a number of different topics from coaching to strength and conditioning staffs to weight room to cafeteria to health and safety to Owners, which was a new category, a lot of things the the, the players anonymously um, gave letter grades on and the NFLPA released uh, rankings uh, under each category for all of these teams. The Titans came in uh, pretty middle of the pack for the most part, not a ton of terrible grades, not any phenomenal grades for them. But there are a couple of things on their report card that I think are of note, and uh, it's an interesting topic. Smart, I think, by the NFLPA to release that uh, during the combine when they know we're already pushing that content to the max. We're gonna we're looking for stuff to talk about, and it's a very interesting topic to talk about. So we're gonna dive into that and some more. Before we do, if you're with us live today, we appreciate you being here. Do us a couple of favors. First of all, if you're watching on Facebook or on Twitter, stop doing that. Go to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. It's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Join the comment section of this live stream there. And you just like tighten up Tony, who said he would be happy with a late round linebacker in the comments. I think that uh, that is certainly something that's on the Titans radar this year. Uh, you can be a part of today's conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments about these players and about the Titans. They just call them report cards, right? They're not specific yes. to anything. It's just the team report card. Um, so yeah, the team report card is going to be an interesting one we'll dive into today. But let's start JT 
on these players that we heard from today on the defensive line and edge side of things, a number of top names that are going to be going in that first, second, third round territory, chop Robinson out of Penn state, Darius Robinson, um, out of Missouri, uh, Devondre sweat out of Texas, Johnny Newton out of Illinois are four of the biggest names we heard from today. What were your impressions of those guys? And any, you can start with whoever you'd like at the podium. Um, when we had a chance to hear from them. Yeah. And before we start, I just, to your point that it's the most, it's the least interesting position, I think from a draft combine perspective wise, at least to talk to, Sure. and then also compacting that with with the Titans kind of need at the position right now right. is also uh, compact compounding on that to be, it really is just the, the probably the position groups that the Titans are looking at the least just because of where their picks currently lie and what, and not need, that they don't need these positions. They, they just need, need them it, less it, than the other less positions right now. Right. Because I mean, if you look at last year's defensive metrics, the, the Titans finished 17th in, in total defense last year, right. averaging 335 yards a game. That's uh, right around where the Packers, Lions, Rams, and Steelers were last year. Um, but I think it's pretty, it's a good argument to make that the defensive line, at least, was not really the reason why no. they were giving up that many no, yards no. because right. there are other positions on this team that <laughs> need the work more than. Right. Uh, the defensive line. So I think the Titans are pretty good on that side. We can talk about the linebacking and what they could look for in this class uh, a little bit more. But yeah, just giving some perspective on that because as, as putting our Titans goggles on for some of these, it's really hard to see, to talk to some of these guys and be like, there's really no reality where a Tavondre Sweat, or not, maybe not Tavondre Sweat, but, but a Chop Robinson. Well, I, I wouldn't say no reality because there is still, I, I say it's an unlikely reality. And, I, and the only reason I parse that is because there is a world in which this Titans team really does take a true BPA perspective. And a Chop Robinson, for whether it's medical or interview reasons or whatever it may be, he falls to that 38th pick overall. And he's clearly the best guy on the board for the Titans there. It wouldn't shock me if if they if they went with not just this edge position in particular, but any of the positions that the Titans fans seem to have in their head are locks to be the Titans' first, second, third pick. Right, last year, this time last year, we all thought, everybody thought, the Titans are going to be getting some offensive line, excuse me, all some tackle and some receiver in one of their first three rounds. Like of those first three picks, two of them are going to be those two positions and they, they ended up with none of them. They ended up, you know, with a, with a interior offensive lineman, a quarterback and running back in the first three rounds. They didn't draft a receiver until the seventh round with a flyer and a special teams guy. So I, I just, I have to caution folks against this certainty and I'm not, I know what you were saying. I just think it's important to, to point out that you, you never know. And so that's why we're going to cover all our bases and, and look into some of these guys. And even if the Titans aren't necessarily in the market for Tavondre sweat, like you mentioned, uh, he's a an awesome prospect who I know you and I are stoked to get to go watch test at Lucas Oil Stadium tomorrow because he has been promising he's going to blow everybody's mind. Uh, he 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 was on some shows today and he was asked what's the reaction going to be from folks when you run your forty tomorrow and and he just said this is the reaction just mouth wide open jaw on the floor. Um, so I, I'm ready for it. He's putting up. I don't I don't think he plans on shutting up. So I'm excited to go and see what he can do. But uh, that being said, do we want to dive into some of these guys one at sure. a time? Do you want to just start with sweat? Who is the highest rated or highest 
draft board consensus rated guy um, amongst these uh, folks. He is the 11th overall player on the PFF board on the consensus board. You're thinking of Byron Murphy. Oh, excuse Tavondre me. Yeah, sorry. Excuse me. Yes. His, his running mate, Byron Murphy. Um, Tavondre Sweat. Uh, where is he on the consensus board? Oh, there he is. Nope. Yeah. 41, 41 overall. So in that range where the Titans could technically be in, I, I'd imagine he's gone before the Titans get around to the second round pick, just because I think that his stock's going to continue to rise again. If he tests tomorrow, the way that he claims to, to be prepared to test, I, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the first round. Yeah. And I think we really didn't get a, a chance to talk to him today because, um, little behind the scenes peek here at, at the, at the combine, when a player says they're going to be speaking, it's not always guaranteed. You could have a, a um, situation like it was today where the NFL combine was just backed up on medical so much that uh, instead of his 1030 interview time, he doesn't actually go to the podium until 1.45, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> they're trying to run 400 uh, MRIs in yes. three or four days. It's it's easier it's, said it's than done. It's a lot, yeah. but... Uh, Exactly like what you said, um, and he answered a lot of the questions. How the Senior Bowl kind of impacted him in the in the uh, the skills, in the training, and the teaching that he got there is a, is a big reason why I think he is also rising up these boards because you can see how teachable, how coachable he is, and then just the specimen himself. I mean, he is a big, big boy, and if he is betting on himself like he is right now to to run the numbers he's going to run, I can't wait to see it, man. It, he is a, he is a just mountain of a man slab of meat that's going to blow the uh, blow the socks off all of us tomorrow um and, and you can also see it in his game i think we saw it also at the senior bowl yes um he was winning every single rep uh he was just playing with his food sometimes in in some of his reps which i guess could be a little bit of a knock but it's more of a testament to just how he was going up against this different competition and i think that's what people are starting to realize as as you kind of alluded to there's a running mate in byron murphy who is the more dominant player, but he, he kind of Tavondre may have been a little overshadowed uh, by Byron, but it doesn't knock his ability and production that he can do on his own. So I think he's a really interesting prospect going forward. Yeah. And he, he's a huge guy. I mean, he, he was listed on Texas's website as six, four, three sixty two. I'd imagine he's more in the three fifties range, but if he plans on running as fast as he claims to run tomorrow at three fifty six four three fifty five or whatever he may be. Uh, he's going to blow some people's socks off. Let's talk about Shop because he's a guy that I think folks are coming around to uh, as they watch more and more of him. He's the kind of prospect that is really traitsy, and that is something that is impossible to ignore. It is it is scintillating. It's tantalizing from a scouting perspective, but it's a double edged sword. Like you have to be careful with it because. Um, on one hand, sometimes a guy that, and when I say really traitsy, I mean, in, in comparison to guys that were highly productive in college, um, Tyree Wilson last year was a great example of a guy who incredible Trayvon traits, Walker, yeah, Trayvon Walker the year before incredible traits, all of the physical measurements, <clears throat> all of the physical ability, uh, in terms of testing, but just didn't have a, a huge amount of production in college. A chop is. Uh, it's not a direct comparison to those two that I mentioned, but that's kind of the, the genre of player where you are drafting them high, betting on those traits panning out in the NFL um, and not because, well, we're, we're drafting him because we've seen how crazy productive he was in uh, in in college. And so the, the double edged sword there is, hey, we know for a fact that certain traits, certain physical 
benchmarks, certain uh, certain speeds and get-offs. And if you've got this first-step ability that's unique and can't be taught, that kind of thing works in the NFL. Yep. It just does. Um, but on the other hand, there are certain guys that – and I don't want to indict like a, a Tyree Wilson who is one year on a, on a bad team. We don't know what he he's going to be in the end. We need to see more from him. But there are certain guys like that that come in and they just, it just never gets put together, right? It's the, it's the track star wide receiver who they've got all the speed in the world and they've got all the physical, they can jump as they can jump out of the building, but they just can't play receiver, right? At the end of the day, the traits didn't translate to the game. They were a phenomenal athlete. They weren't a phenomenal ball player. That's the risk you run when you go with a guy like Chop Robinson, who again, didn't have a ton of production in college, but at 6'3", 250, an incredible first step, incredible top end speed bends really in a way that he shouldn't be able to at that height for as, as big and tall as he is uh, his center of gravity, I think is just unnaturally low for how big he is. And so that's the kind of thing that is catching folks eye and causing them to, to lean into, okay, chop Robinson, a borderline first round, early second round talent. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I think really when you go back and look at those last two picks, it's kind of, It'll be interesting once he tests to hear what we hear afterwards tomorrow um, because of, you know, just kind of the implication that so far the last two years where you have this guy. Now, granted, Chop has not been as rated high, as highly as these other guys. Right. But it still is the same kind of, as you said, criteria here where he, he doesn't have the production. But right. And, and I keep saying, let's let's put let's quantify no lack of production. Right. Uh, last year, yes. three sacks, five quarterback hits, 18 hurries in 10 games and 300 snaps played the year before. Almost uh, 450 snaps played in 12 games, only five sacks, only nine hurries or excuse me, only nine hits, 34 hurries. Um, so again, fine numbers. Yeah. But for a guy that's going to be OK, this is going to be an edge rusher. We're going to plug and play and hope to be our alpha on our team in the NFL. On paper, that concerns you, right? But then you watch the tape and it, it it changes your perspective. Yeah, and I think the point of this all is just the fit is going to, in which team he gets drafted 100%. to, is going to it make. matters so much. Uh, make or break it. it. It's going to make or break it. And I think, to your point there, if there was a world where he fell to 38 and go to a team that has a Jeffrey Simmons and has a, a, a Harold Landry and, and a is in need guys, of a alpha on alpha, the other side, like, right. it would be it would, I think it makes sense there. So like you said, maybe I'm coming around to it, that maybe that is the idea. Uh, we could definitely see that happen. Um, but yeah, and he, he could gone. very well be gone by 38, yeah. but if he's there, he's the kind of guy that you could potentially see the Titans consider. Um, let's, can we move on to a guy we talked a good bit about at the senior bowl and Darius Robinson, sure. uh, a stud. This is a guy that I do expect to go very comfortably in the first round edge defender out of Missouri. Uh, we heard from him today a bit. Si speaking of tall edge rushers, he's not nearly as big as chop is in terms of weight, but six, five two ninety six. So it doesn't have as much inside outside versatility theoretically that a chop does, but as a pure edge rusher, Robinson is phenomenal. We saw it all week in mobile was, was tearing up the competition. And I know you came away from that week down there. Really impressed by him. Yeah. And I was once again impressed by him this morning. Um, I, I tweeted out this morning that for me, Darius Robinson right now is, is an early candidate to get the same treatment that I gave to guys like Jack Campbell and Lucas Van Ness. Which for those that aren't familiar with last year's draft coverage on this show, first of all, how dare you? I'm glad you're finally here, but you're late. Second of all, 
that is that's high praise. It this is, is this is a guy that he's going to jump up and down on draft night for root for um and and lose his mind based on where he goes because he believes so highly in this guy so very very high marks if that's yeah are you officially putting your stamp on Darius Robinson as a, a your guy I think so okay like because he's just he has the traits he has the ball knowledge and he loves the game and you I can think tell he loves three things ball at the that podium. uh when when you go to the podium he was just one of my favorites today and it's really interesting to see that he also uh talked about how uh, in his meetings, he loved talking to Dan Campbell and how like he just fits the Dan Campbell mold there. Mm. And I'm starting to think that me and Dan Campbell look for the same things in players <laughs> as as we not uh, bad company, not bad company no. to be in. Um, but it was just so funny that uh, maybe me and Dan Campbell just have a type which is just loves football and knows uh, more than just being able to get out there and, and hit a guy, you know, being able to understand the game as you're playing it. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who at the beginning of the senior bowl, wasn't even in the top 100 consensus, I believe. Right. And now is joining the likes of a Tavondre Sweat and a Quinion Mitchell, who are just absolutely skyrocketing up boards and potentially our first round uh, picks here. Um, so yeah, he's a very interesting one. I kind of like in his current situation, I'm not saying his comp here uh, tape-wise, but his situation is very um, kind of George Karloftis to me. Like he is that guy that... Mm. You're, we're going to look back in two to three years and he's going to get taken by one of those teams from picks 28 to 32 and just be like, how did everybody let this guy fall? Right, right. How did this guy end up on the bills? How did yep. this guy? Yeah, exactly. How did San Francisco get their mitts on this guy? Yep. Uh, I, I agree entirely. Um, a couple of comments from folks talking about, I believe Chop Robinson. Yeah, Chop Robinson, the Morning Glory show saying, if we get Chop at 38, I will be tickled pink, as you should be, in my opinion. Um athleticism over criticism. I like that. Tighten up Tony Tra Trayvon Walker versus Aiden Hutchinson in terms of examples for guys that were traits versus production guys, a hundred percent. Um, Adolfo Owe also thrown out there and tighten up Tony says, maybe Dan Campbell's your real dad. That's maybe it's a possibility. Um, okay. One more edge defender, uh, or excuse me, one more defensive lineman rather that we want to talk about Johnny Newton out of Illinois. Another guy that is expected to go in the first round. I know you were at his podium today. What were your, your impressions from what you heard from him? Well, I mean, if the Titans were in the in the um, realm for a those, premier those teens, right? When they if they were in the the market, market. for a premier defensive interior guy, Johnny Newton would be their guy because his big thing was I can play any technique that you want. You can put me a three tech, four tech. I can play anywhere on or off the ball here in the middle of the field uh, on on the line. And I'm a playmaker. And that's exactly what we heard yesterday. He's, he's one of those guys who is confident. He And, and he has the, the stats to back it up as well in, in his college tape. He was a guy who I, kind of liked Darius Robinson, uh, loves the game, loves the style of play that he plays, and is very confident into it. And I'm really excited to see where he goes in this draft. Um, obviously, at seven, that would be a... Daniel Jones level bonkers pick for the yeah. Titans there, but I would be, I would be happy because I know what you're you getting and Stoney. I know Stoney is the um, same way. And that's probably the end of the uh, list right there. Yeah. I mean, he is a bona fide guy who's going to stuff the middle of your defensive line. They're not uh, really good in the run game as well. So he was a, a treat to talk to, and I'm excited to see how he tests tomorrow as well. Six two, two ninety five 295 was a junior. He's just 21 years old. Uh, had a really nice year for himself. Last season, 12 games, eight sacks, seven hits, 28 hurries, and two batted passes. Um, a, a, a player that I think tomorrow is going to prove he has the physical 
requisite skills and and abilities um, in terms of testing, as well as the fact that he has produced highly. That's why he's going to probably go in that 15 to 25 range overall. Um, let's look at the linebackers real quick before we talk about this report card from the Titans. And uh, real quick, if you're with us live, we appreciate you doing so. Make sure you're over at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page on this live stream. And you're in, you're in the comment section joining the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the combine, any questions you might have. And listen, by the way, we uh, we have some, some content planned for this show the next couple of days where we're going to be talking to some folks of of import here, some national media folks. And if you have any questions that are particularly clever and you'd like to hear them asked uh, from a Titans perspective to these people that you listen to on national TV every other day, uh, hit us up, hit us in the comments, hit us on Twitter. We are welcoming of any uh, suggestions. We are taking requests along those lines and make sure if you're with us live, you do us a favor by sharing the show as best you can hit like hit subscribe on YouTube. That helps us out a ton hit retweet. If you're on Twitter, all of those good things. We appreciate you for doing that. Um, a couple of guys on the back end here, Edger and Cooper um, often referred to as edge is a guy that it, it, let me back up real quick. This linebacker class in general, kind of akin to the running back group, um, kind of similar to the tight end group minus Brock Bowers in that they're going to really start coming off the board hot and heavy on day two. It's probably going to be a run situation where teams that are needy for them, it's kind of a Mexican standoff situation where once one guy pulls the trigger, you start to see him fly off the board. And so um, a guy like Edge is, uh, uh, any of these linebackers really um, are unlikely to go in the first round, I'd say. Peyton Wilson out of NC State is the highest graded guy by consensus, I believe. And he's like right in that 28, 29, 30 range. So perhaps one sneaks into the first round, but uh, I'd imagine you start to see them come off the board very early on day two. And so Edron Cooper out of Texas A&M, uh, six foot three, 230 pounds, had a real breakout season uh, as a junior, his last season in college. Um, something started to click with him. Were you at his podium today? Uh, I caught bits and pieces okay. of it today. I more just want to talk about him, about how he's going to test tomorrow, sure. uh, which I think may swap him and Peyton in, wow. in this in this kind of who gets the the opportunity to be that first round draft uh, draft pick for the linebacker right. core here. Um, I think he is just an athletic freak. I'm excited to see his 40 time, what he does in a lot of the drills um, because he is just that and a bag of chips. Like he was that in college. I think and that's a bag it. of chips. I love uh, it. That's what he's going to continue to be. And uh, there's sometimes where guys really don't say too many things at the podium because sometimes like in, in this case, if you're one of the Alabama players, uh, you only got asked questions today about Nick Saban's retirement and <laughs> right. not really what the about, about. I'm sure they were stoked by yeah. that. Yeah. Um, there, there are sometimes where the only thing you can gain, uh, to, to go with in your, in your interview up at the podium is right. to not lose anything. Right. Sure, and sure. so Edwin don't say Cooper, something stupid. Yes. Yeah. And Edwin Cooper definitely, uh, check that off. And he's just an athletic freak and I'm excited to see him test. Yeah, he's actually, I was wrong on the consensus board. He is just a hair above Peyton. Uh, there's a lot of big difference, depending on what board you're looking at, as to where these guys might go. On the on the NFL mock draft database consensus board, which is what we most often reference on this show, he is 51 overall. Peyton Wilson is 54 overall. And uh, the third and final guy that I know you wanted to mention today, because he has a connection to another player that's very high on Titans fans' radars in Joe Alt, J.D. Bertrand. 
a linebacker out of uh, out of uh, Notre Dame, of course. What was your impression of him at the podium? Because I know you were there for that one. Yeah, I mean, we basically not to not to knock JD Bertrand here, but more asked about his relationship with Joe Alt to right. talk more about Joe Alt. But he had very <laughs> glowing things to say. He shared a a um, little bit of a story between him and. and Joe Alt about fishing trips that they go on. And apparently Joe Alt can name every fish under the sun. If you, if you go on big a fishing fish trip guy. with him, he's okay. a big fisherman, big I fish guess. Guy. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it was very interesting to hear that. And also just the glowing reviews that he has as a person and um, his unique background, I guess, in how he's been able to train his entire career. He's been kind of put through an, an NFL ready regimen in college and mm-hmm. how he trains personally. And I think that's something that adds more to that, that notion that Joe Alt is the truest pro ready talent on the offensive tackles. Um, so I think that was just a, more of an inclination into that. While this guy may have a ceiling, he's going to right from the get go uh, be one of those guys who can, you can plug and play. And he is a projected fifth round pick. Uh, 175 overall in the on the consensus board. Um, so yeah, that was I know that was a fascinating conversation. There are clips from that conversation on on social media on Twitter. If you want to go and and hear about Joe Alt th- from the perspective of one of his teammates and one of his good friends. Um, so that's that's it. Again, a, a, the lightest day you're going to have on this show in terms of prospects, just because we're kind of touching on some guys that made an impact today. Still some guys that are in that though, range. So like maybe, that, maybe that's a bad sign. Well, it's if we, 25 minutes on, on. We stretched it. We'll, we'll make sure when we have when we have 17 different cornerbacks tomorrow that we want to talk about. We will uh, we'll keep that list. We'll just go forever. Well, I'll try my best. Try my best to keep that list. Uh, uh, what, keep keep things a little bit shorter on each individual guy so that we can get through more and more folks. Because I know tomorrow, again, we've got um, all DBs, so safeties and cornerbacks, as well as the tight ends. will be a lot to talk about from what we hear from them. And then we've also got the testing in the afternoon from these defensive linemen. Uh, let's turn our focus to the second big topic of the day, which is the Titans team report card. The NFLPA put out their report cards for each team today and a lot was made about where each team landed some very interesting uh some very interesting outliers not just with the titans but in general uh the chargers having child care for their players off-site um and making the players pay for that i don't i saw somebody joke that it's just because they got sick and tired of having to babysit all the rivers kids for free for all those years so i guess that makes sense a little bit um i do think it's hilarious how by far the the worst grade for ownership was Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, the the team that is currently owning the NFL, the current dynasty that nobody can uh, can can knock off. They they just despise their owner, which I think is really really funny. And apparently he had a press conference today, like two hours after this this uh, th- this report card came out basically just defiling him uh in the in the presser was going to be like asking for a billion dollars of county funds to do a massive remodel of uh geha field at at arrowhead stadium which is a tough situation it's a tough yes. look um there were some other ones the the dolphins here's can i just run a theory by you the dolphins had the best report card top to bottom most i think maybe all a's mostly a's a pluses a minuses for the dolphins phenomenal situation they've got down there you know, I think that the 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 tired narrative is that man, like ownership, 
coaching GM situation down there. They run one heck of an organization. What a phenomenal workplace. Uh, I think the wired reaction is clearly the Dolphins are too comfortable to win anything. I think they don't, they're clearly not facing any adversity. They don't know any struggle. They don't know any hardship. And they, they, they need to, they need to have a little bit more. They don't have any calluses on their hands, man. They're, it's too cushy down there to succeed. I mean, that's my take. It, it could, they, they might need to be like the Titans and, and shake things up because the last time they won a playoff game, <laughs> uh, I, I heard this earlier today. Last time the, the, Dolphins won a playoff game. The New York Knicks were the conference champions uh, of their. Wow. Uh, Which is tough for both the Dolphins and the Knicks. Yes. It's been one and long also, time. And then also um, the the last time the Dolphins also won a playoff game, Billy Eilish wasn't born either, which I think puts it oh, into perspective no. as well. Billie that, Eilish, was, that means you and I were just, we were in diapers, essentially. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure Billy Eilish is like 22, 23 oh, okay. years old. Well, so, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's tough. Uh, Kenneth joining us here saying Vrabel given the coaching staff first class and the players getting coached was hilarious. Yeah, let's let's dive into some of the some of. Oh, oh, oh no, there's one more non Titans thing we have to talk about and then we can dive into okay. the Titans report card. So th- there's a team <laughs> that is near and dear to your heart, JT. <laughs> The Cincinnati Bungles. Yes. They received an F minus for their food and cafeteria. And here's the details on why they received such a bad grade across the board. Uh, These are bullet points. So it says, as an improvement from last year, the team decided to do uh, dinner offerings to players once a week on Wednesdays. And that's an improvement. That's an improvement. (laughs) So I'd imagine last year there were no dinner offerings for players during the week. Uh, They ranked 30th overall in food taste. 31st overall in food freshness. So it's tasteless food left under a heat lamp is what I'm imagining here. They only provide three meals a day on Wednesdays. Uh, So one of only two teams that do not provide three meals a day throughout the entire week. They do not open their cafeteria on the off day on Tuesday, even though players are coming in for extra work on that day. And the players uh, want what most other teams have. Some outrageous demands here. Three meals a day just three square meals for elite athletes that need to fuel their body and the cafeteria to be open and operating on the player's day off. Those are their outrageous unionized demands that the, the proud Bengals organization, who are the owners of the Bengals? Hey man, the, Mike Brown, the Browns, I, you know, Mike Brown is probably saying, <laughs> you know how gracious I was to give you three meal Wednesdays. Hey, we get three. <laughs> I gave you three you meal all, Wednesdays. Do you, they, do you think they all came back into the, into the facility for the first time last summer? And he like put promo stuff like every bulletin board was like new this year. Three meal, three meal Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Everybody get excited for three <laughs> meal Wednesdays here at the Bengals facility. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's tough. You yeah. can't you can't be doing that. No, you really you can't. Um, but yeah, let's talk about I think the the important thing is to set the stage here, as Kenneth kind of said. Let's talk about the two biggest issues that the NFLPA found with with the Tennessee Titans. The first one, as Kenneth kind of put into here uh, as it reads in the article here the first is the club's travel accommodations as players are designed to sit in the back of the plane where many players don't fit in the seats while the staff sit in first class also the titans are one of only seven teams that make some of their players have roommates the night before the games players want to be able to prepare for the game without having to share a room so let's take this one one thing at a time The, the first one the airplane situation I don't I don't I think it is not as outrageous as some folks seem to think it is. I also think we probably need some more information. And the reason that I think that is first of all, you know, you aren't getting no team is flying 
a situation where every player and staff member, all 120 people on the plane that travel with the team are in a first class or a business class seat. That's those planes like those. It doesn't exist. Um, these guys are mostly most teams are either owners or charters through uh, different airlines. They have they have these charters and the Titans charter um, with a, with an airline where they they do their they schedule well in advance their uh, eight or nine away games that year. They have an entire commercial airliner to themselves, and it's like a you know a Boeing seven eight seven or whatever double decker, single decker. It's the kind that you would fly you know overseas on, and so it's got the full blown first class cabin, business class cabin, economy plus economy, and so a lot of teams are in a situation like that. And different teams divvy up who gets to sit where differently. I have heard that with some teams, it's purely a um, like a like a pecking order, mixing the coaching staff and playing staff. So like you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and guys like that are going to be up front in first class, players and coaches alike, and the riffraff are going to be in the back. And some teams do it where the coaching staff is in first class um, and the business class, and the and the players are all in economy. There are some teams I have heard. That just just in a, for a culture thing, everybody sits economy. They just you know nobody's in the first class. Maybe the owner is or something, but um, just just for the the vibes, just to keep things good and everybody on the even playing field. Um, you, everybody sits economy. My second question, where I, I want more information on this, is is the whole players not fitting in seats thing? Is that because there's not enough room for them to spread out? Where you're having to sit three deep in an aisle? Um, if that's the case, then yeah, like I get that. That's not cool. You know, if, if, Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and Tier Tart trying to pack into the row is hilarious. The, the, to right, the, 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 the pilot is going to have to really compensate. <laughs> uh, that can't, you know, they're like, they're weighing your luggage to 50 pounds on the dot. I think that you got to spread those guys out accordingly or else you're going to be flying sideways. So yeah, like I don't think the plane thing is that crazy just because. I think some folks have it in their head. Like, yeah, everybody gets their own private seat. It's like a private point. That's not, that's just not realistic. It's not the way that it works. Yeah. I mean, we could, I guess we could make a big giant plane. Like, I mean, they could charter like <laughs> 20 private planes. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the, the NFL yeah. prints money, but they don't, they don't actually, they don't print, print money. You know yeah. what I mean? And so a comment here, uh, it says, so Mike Brown back on the Bengals real quick. So Mike Brown can pay Joe Burrow and T Higgins, or he can p- provide food for all of his players. Right. And I that's, think that's, I think that's his that's pitch. Why the, that's is, why the franchise tag was put on T a hundred. It's like, what do you, what do you guys want from me? We can't afford everything. Okay. It's either three meal Wednesdays <laughs> or it's Joe pack your bags. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the wager here. That's it. Y'all decide. It's not, it's not in Mike Brown's hands. Um, let's let's tack the other thing though. This is where I do think this is outrageous. So as you mentioned, the Titans are one of the only one of how many seven. teams? One of seven teams that don't uh, accommodate each player with their own private room, private hotel room on away games. I need you to explain this to me like I'm a five year old, right? Because if the Titans ownership can afford a brand new HQ in the past three years. They can afford a brand new billion dollar stadium that they're breaking ground on this week. They can't afford a half dozen extra rooms eight times a year for one night on an away game that I just, you can't, you cannot justify that decision as anything besides your ownership group looking bad and looking cheap and being cheap in the NFL when it comes to things like that. Really, really silly, really, really foolish, really avoidable. 
and just not a good look, man. And I've seen some folks push back on, well, maybe how do you know it's the ownership? How do you know it's the owner's decision, an upper management decision, not a coaching decision? The coaches aren't deciding where the money gets spent, right? That that's that's bottom line is the owners making that call. Some other folks I've seen talking about how well maybe like Vrabel kind of strikes me as the kind of guy that may you know may may want guys to have to earn their own room, you know, or you know team camaraderie, you know, culture. I'm these two guys are in the doghouse. I'm gonna it's put like them together. A, it's like on a spectrum. Like if you play good, you get your, your own room next time. If not, right, I know you and I were joking. Like did 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 you know Jalen Duncan and. uh uh, Andre, Dillard. Andre Dillard have to be bunk mates the back half of the year. Like they just, <laughs> the two of them were crammed into a queen size bed. I do love, by the way, we don't know. Listen, we, we don't know where I'm assuming when they have to share a room, it's a double bedroom, yeah. but perhaps, you know, you've got these guys just cramming into a single queen. I, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying it's, it's, on, it's on the table. We yeah. don't know whether or not that's the case or not. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think, I don't think you can justify that as Titans ownership. I think it's a really bad look. Um, and some other teams had it worse. I know like the Buccaneers, um, they had an offering to players where if they wanted to not share a room for the year, they had to spend, they had to pay like $2,000, which is crazy. Um, but the one thing I'll caution folks on is I, you know, you see these kinds of things and a lot of folks, frankly, like bootlickers of, of billionaires, like they, they love to, to carry water and tout for these guys and be like, you know, I've been on road trips before I've shared a room before. It's not that big a deal. It's not that these people deserve rooms and they're better than you. One, they like their 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 bosses have the money. How would you feel if you went on a business trip that your entire office was forced to go on, and you know you you're you're working for Microsoft and it's a, like a, a major corporate retreat and they're making you bunk up with some random guy from down the hall um, in 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 your you know your Westin hotel where you know they could have spent a hundred dollars. Um, for you to have your own room. That's crappy. Like that's crappy workplace environment. That's just no good, man. You can't have that. Um, you'd be frustrated too. And so I just, I think it is something that they're going to have to fix. Uh, what were, what were your thoughts on this? I mean, th that's just kind of it. I saw yeah. that and I was like, yeah, we, they probably need to fix this. But I think the second one here, the second issue I think is a more interesting conversation that we can have here. Sure. Um, because didn't think I'd be talking about hotel rooms th this week <laughs> yeah, right. uh, in the context of football. But hey, we're uh, in an Airbnb for the week and we came here to do internet things. There's no, a router sitting just off screen no that is dysfunctional. We have no internet here. Um, so, I mean, if anybody wants to complain about travel accommodations, we're giving an F to whoever. I don't know where we would turn our report card into. F minus. F minus to the NFL yeah. on our accommodations. A plus that, to Verizon. Accommodations though, that we, that we set us, up for us. But yeah. other than that, yeah. Wah, wah. F, F minus for sure. Uh, but. The second one here, and I think this is the bigger one because I think in hindsight, if we went back maybe before the season, uh, we had some episodes on this and it'd be interesting to see. Uh, and as it is in the article here, quote, the second issue that was raised most often by respondents is the field surface at the stadium. Before the 2023 season, the team decided to switch from a natural grass surface to synthetic, consistent with how players responded across the NFL on the question of field surfaces, which said 92% say they prefer natural grass to synthetic. Titans players responded with disappointment that they moved from grass to artificial. The most unsurprising thing, of course they did, of course they should have this response. I don't know what else we can say about this because we have beaten this horse beyond, I mean, it's to a pulp at this point on this show. Everybody who makes a living 
as an elite athlete playing on natural grass and synthetic turf knows and will tell you it is clearly and obviously so much better to play on good turf. You can take your studies and shove them where the sun don't shine because at the end of the day, I'm going to trust the people that have to do the thing, people that have to wake up the next day and stretch it out and go get massages and go get treatment and and nurse uh, strained and sprained body parts because they were playing on a surface that was not conducive to to longevity uh, through a, a you know three, four-month season. It, it's really that simple. We talked to the players at the time in the Titans locker room when that decision was made. They were less than enthused. I know Kevin Byard being the vocal leader of the team at the time last August, very clearly saying, I wish they hadn't done this. It stinks, but it is what it is. We'll get used to it. It'll be fine. Um, I think fine is the best you can say it is because yes, do the Titans have the cutting edge turf in turf technology? Yes, they do. It's monofilament. It's, it's, it's an organic infill. It's, it's meant to be as close to grass as possible. And I hope and pray that one day organic surface is as good or better than grass, but right now it's just not. And folks that push back will say, well, the Titan stadium had crappy grass before that caused injuries. Yes, they did. Here's the difference, right? Not all natural grass is good surface. All unnatural grass is bad surface. Does that make sense? There are grass fields that suck. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a very bad natural grass field. I know Washington was the same way for a long time. I don't know if they've changed over or not yet, but they are notorious for having a crappy playing surface. The Titans were that way too. Is it a difficult area of the country to grow grass throughout the winter into fall into, or excuse me, the, the summer into winter to fall into winter? Yes, it is difficult, but there are more golf courses in the state of Tennessee that I can count. I play on them throughout football season and guess what they do. They keep nice green grass year round. It's crazy how they manage to do it, but they do it. And they have a whole lot less money than the Tennessee Titans do. You know, uh, an organization in the NFL that is in a less than ideal weather situation, yet they managed to have a very nice natural grass surface, the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where it is a couple miles south of frozen hell. Like that, that's how they, they do it. If they can do it, if the Bills can do it, the Titans can do it, man. The Jaguars can do it. The, like, I don't care where you are in the country. You're an NFL team. You have the money. Do the thing. And that's essentially what the players are begging for. And it, it, it is nothing more than a greedy, cheap move by ownership groups, by these teams, when they move from natural grass to turf. It requires less upkeep. It is cheaper and easier on them. And if that comes at the expense of their players, maybe getting a little bit more hurt and being uh, in more pain on a day after a game and recovering more slowly and being uh, more liable to have season ending or career altering injuries, then that's a risk they're willing to take. I don't think I'd ever see you get so uh, vocal about grass, but but here we are. <laughs> I care about grass so much, clearly. <laughs> let, um, let, let's let's talk about, uh, let's just run down the rest of these because I think those are the two biggest ones. Can I call out one more that sure. I find interesting? And it's it's one that I don't think we're that surprised by necessarily um, based on recent comments, but it's that one at the very top. How about treatment of families? The Titans got a D plus, uh, 17th overall in the league. What were the bullet points on that one? Yeah, so they described it as as a D plus in seventeenth in the league, as and they described it as they are one of twelve teams that do not provide a family room during games, and uh, but they do provide daycare on game days. So 
I, I think most folks are aware of that interview that Wesley Woodyard did on Ramon, Kayla, and Will on 104.5 a couple months ago at this point, a month or two ago. Um, Around the Vrabel firing. Yeah, talking about the Vrabel firing and, and uh, not getting into all the details of that interview. When he went into how the Titans used to allow family members into the locker room, and then Mike Vrabel did away with that. That's the kind of thing where, you know, if that's one instance that came out, what other instances we've not heard of? Um, under the variable regime, I'd imagine that a lot of this, like maybe all of this changes now that it's the Ryan Carthon, Brian Callahan show and, and things are very different in that way. But treatment of families seems like an easy bar um, to just like, don't be a don't be a crappy workplace. Take care of your very highly paid, very important employees um, there. Make sure their families are accommodated and to get a D plus is pretty embarrassing to me, but not that surprising. Mm hmm. We can talk about the rest of them here as food cafeteria, get a B grade and rank 12th out of 32. Uh, nutritionist and dietitian get B 12th as well. Locker room C plus coming in at 19th. Training room C plus at 19th. Training staff B 18th. Weight room B plus 13th. Strength coaches B plus 18th. Uh, team travel, as we said, is an F 30th in the league. And then the two new ones here, head coach B plus 22nd out of 32 and ownership B plus 15 out of 32. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about that is what's interesting to me. The Titans highest mark in any of the categories is a B plus. They got four of them, weight room, strength coaches, head coach and ownership. Two of those four things no longer here, no longer the same head coach, no longer the same strength coach. They don't have a strength coach yet. Their new head coach is yet to hire a new strength coach. Um, and so I, I think it's time for the Titans were one of five teams, I believe in the NFL that did not receive an A, even an A minus grade on any of these categories. So again, very, very middle of the road. You'd expect like weight room. It better be a B plus a minus a room. They just redid it and spent a bunch of money on it. It is nice. I've seen it. Um, some more details, by the way, just some bullet points on, on specifics here that I wanted to run down for you all. Um, uh, they, they are, let's see, they are, well, where did this go? Here we go. 87% of players feel like they have enough room in their individual lockers, which is 16th overall. 67% of players feel they have enough hot tub space, which is hilarious. Uh, only 67. <laughs> oh, so we're grading that. Like one, one in three players needs a bigger hot tub, All right. apparently. 78% um, of players feel they have enough cold tub space. So I'd imagine the cold tub is bigger in the Titans facility than the hot tub is what it sounds like to me. Or maybe it's just like maybe like more people want the hot tub. I feel like maybe it's on like a grading scale of like agree, mildly agree, neutral. Like, is it like the doctor's office where it's like smiley face to angry face? Maybe like, what, like, so yeah. maybe it's just like some people said, eh, maybe it could it's be fine. better, but like, it's fine. I feel like that's more of it. They interpreted the prompts differently. Unless, unless, I mean, Hey, they, there are a lot of divas and egocentric people sure. in, in this, in this, uh, line of work so maybe they do want larger hot tubs i don't know well on the morning glory show in the chat says that the strength coach grade being a b plus is surprising based on the media and i'd say not just based on media but based on like the results you know the the results of their injuries and 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 that whole situation i i think it's interesting how the strength coach grade was a b plus and yet in the details you you read that the players feel that the training staff moderately contributed to their success only 24th overall so uh it, it seems like they were fine with the strength coach, but didn't think that they were all that helpful. Maybe they just, they were just kind of there. Um, what, let's see what else the players feel that the strength coach significantly contributed their success. Okay. So the training staff eh, strength coach thumbs up 13th overall. They think that the strength coach significantly contributed to their success. Uh, the players felt the Mike Rebel was somewhat willing to listen to the locker room 19th overall. That sounds about right. Yeah. That, that seems to check out. 
And finally, club owner Amy Adams Strunk received a uh, a grade of 8.7 out of 10 from Titans players when considering her willingness to invest in facilities. Well, I would hope so, considering she invested a ton in the HQ and invest is investing in a new stadium. So I, you know, maybe just invest in some hotel rooms and pay for some grass would be my recommendation. But and maybe send Mike Brown card. up in Cincinnati some, and send, some money for get Mike Brown's Venmo for the love of God, so we can get away from Three Meal Wednesdays because that is the funniest thing that uh, hashtag Three Meal Wednesdays. I'm going to send it out no context on Twitter here in a minute because that's hilarious. Uh, that's our show today. I think that we're all done. A reminder for those of you that are tuning in with us uh, here at the Combine Live in Indianapolis, we've got three more live shows in a row. The next three days, all around this same time, might change a little bit. Full disclosure, because we do have starting tomorrow the evenings, um, the, the early to mid afternoons, where we will be over at uh, Luke Soul Stadium doing the athletic testing and, and watching the guys get some numbers on uh on paper and so that might back us up a little bit but i'd imagine we'll be starting our shows at the latest by 5 p.m central standard time so make sure to tune in with us when we do that the next three days again tomorrow at the podium in the morning make sure you're following us at easton freeze at jt underscore runky at hot read pod we'll have clips and uh thoughts from the podium with cornerbacks safeties and tight ends and in the afternoon testing with the guys that were at the podium today d linemen uh, edge rushers and linebackers. Make sure you're checking out the other shows on the 440 Podcast Network. We want to make sure we spread the love around. We've got the Music City Audible Boys. The Justin and Justin show is phenomenal. They have weekly episodes. We've got the uh, football show guys, our buddies Zach and Braden, who are on um, on Mondays and Thursdays live. They are fantastic. Make sure you're checking out all of the content on 440 following 440 on YouTube as well as probably sports media on YouTube and doing all the socials and all of that. You can find us on this show at hot read pod on all of our social accounts until tomorrow. We are excited to see some underwear Olympics in earnest. Some Let's fellas go, baby. running but first, fast go and jumping. And so. Oh, that's right. We're about to go on a win. We're going to go watch the Pacers and the Pelicans for $12 and the entire Pelicans team might not play. So we'll see. I don't know. I hear this. I hear this Tyrese Halliburton kid. Kind of good. Pretty good. This fellow's got some hype. So we'll see if he's all that in a bag of chips. Uh, until tomorrow, I'm Easton Freeze for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you later.